Well, good morning. Welcome, everyone, to our Ag Market Network monthly teleconference for cotton. Uh, this is the this is August the 11th. We want to first uh, thank our sponsor, Bayer Crop Science, uh, for making this program possible. They've been our long-term sponsor, and uh, we really appreciate everything they do for us. Our, also, our thanks to our cotton panel uh, for doing this each month. Uh, we, we have leading us today Gerald Nieper. Gerald, thanks for being with us and clearing up what's going on with cotton. <laughs> yeah, okay. If you if you give me some Windex, maybe I can help uh, get started on that. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's one word to describe yesterday's uh, report, and that was wow, and, and uh, wow, and wow, and wow. You know, 20.54 million U.S. bales. I don't know that anybody, at least publicly, saw that coming. Maybe there were some internal estimates that uh, could have threatened that number, but uh, uh, I think we were just talking about <clears throat> some recent uh, estimates out there as far as the uh, uh, publicly released numbers, and I think 19.6, 19.7 million bales was, was the largest number. And uh, as soon as I saw that number yesterday, 21.545, you know, I made a I made a comment here internally that uh, will you know could come back to bite me. But uh, you know, I said, well, that's the largest crop number we're going to see all year. Um, let's talk about this. You know, it's the largest crop since 21.6 million bales in 2006. The yield, the U.S. yield of 892 pounds, you know, is, it ties the highest on record, which happened in 2012 crop year. Um, where did all this production come from? Well, it came from from Texas. Um, the uh, well didn't all come from Texas, but a lot of it did. <clears throat> um, Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. Texas, 8.8 million bales, record crop. Oklahoma, 720,000 bale estimate, record crop. Kansas, 110,000 bales. That would be the second highest that they have seen since 117,000 bales in 2006. Georgia, um, almost a record, 2.9 million bale estimate, and it could eventually be a record, but that uh, that's just behind the 2012 number of 2,910,000 bales. So a lot of records uh, are, are threatening to uh, uh, be, uh, be, be beaten this year. Um, in Texas, that's up 700,000 bales. That 8.8 .8 million bale estimate is up 700,000 bales from a year ago, and um, it's essentially coming. That, that 700,000 bale increase is coming from uh, one area. Uh, there are four crop districts: uh, 81, 82, 90, and 97. That's being the South Central, the Coastal Bend. The upper coastal bend and the lower valley, those four crop districts are up 653,000 bales, estimated to be up 653,000 bales from last year. Um, they're going to contribute 1.8 million bales to the entire uh, uh, Texas crop. Interestingly enough, you know, everyone else is about unchanged, all the other crop districts in, uh, in Texas. <clears throat> A lot of commentary on the abandonment number for Texas seemed rather low and and uh, it was rather low when people were expecting 25 to 30 percent the only one crop district and that was uh, two in I believe 
they uh, uh, they had a, a, an abandonment number of 26.3%. So you did have, you know, a rather large abandonment in one crop district. All the other crop districts on the high plains, 1N, 1S, and 2S, are, were relatively benign. So um, in, in terms of uh, abandonment, now, of course, the year's not over, so some things could happen, but uh, uh, they did they did take a pretty good chunk on abandonment in, in uh, District 2N. Um, <clears throat> where else um, was it was a big increase uh, from a year ago? Well, Memphis Eastern last year, Memphis Eastern uh, produced 7.1 million bales. This year, they're estimated to produce 9.24 million. That's uh, up 2.125 million bales from a from a year ago. Um, so you got 2.125 million from a year ago, 700,000. Uh, uh, just over 700,000 plus from uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas. Um, the uh, uh, far west, 200,000 acre or bale increase in Upland, 200,000 bale increase in Pima. Um, Arizona, they're calling for 1,575 pounds, the second largest yield on record. Uh, CA crop of uh, California crop. Uh, 1,740 pounds would be the sixth uh, consecutive yield in California, sixth consecutive year of yields exceeding 1,700 uh, pounds. And uh, so I, I've got some question marks with those uh, with those estimates. I mean, those aren't based on uh, on objective yields. Those are based on, on surveys, uh, uh, growers, and, and uh, other folks. And so I, I think they're seeing something a little bit better out here than uh, – What's going to happen? There, there have been some some difficulties out here. Um, a Pima crop of seven hundred and seventy thousand bales. I would take issue with that. Um, I think that that's going to end up being somewhere closer to uh, seven seven hundred and ten, maybe seven hundred and twenty-five when it's all said and done. But uh, still, it's a number we've got to to work with. So, a big big crop out here. Well. A big, big potential crop out here. Let's put it that way. Um, so a lot of things have to happen to make uh, to make all this cotton that uh, USDA sees out there. Um, you know, exports. Uh, we argued all year long about how big they should be, and they finally came in at 14.917 million bales. I was a little bit surprised that it took them this long to to jump up their number. I think they were going back and looking through historical records and saying, oh, we normally don't ship a whole lot of cotton in the month of July. That's why they were hesitant to, to raise their estimates. Well, we did ship quite a bit of cotton in, in uh, uh, July. This uh, The final export number, 14.917, that was the second largest since 2005 at, at 17.673 million bales. Um, for 2017, they're estimating 14.2 million bales of exports, I think primarily because we've got a larger crop and uh, people want the U.S. cotton. Um, the, uh, we're off to a very good start. You know, we're close to 6.3 million bales in terms of export commitments so far, 6.3 million statistical bales. Um, we need to sell about 8.7 million running bales for the rest of this year to to uh to achieve these numbers 
And uh, it seems like a lot, and, and it is. But uh, if you look at over the last 15 years, we've averaged from this point forward selling 9.9 million bales per year. So it's, it's certainly doable. Interestingly enough, when you look at a couple of years where we've started out with very large or the two larger, um, uh, the two large, the two years with larger beginning commitments than this year, the rest of the crop year, we really didn't do a whole lot. Um, it was like everything was front-end loaded. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to happen this year, but uh, just, uh, I, I guess a little, I want to throw a little bit of something out there for, for the bears to, to chew on, um, since I'm sure there will be some bears out there who will, will throw that out there. From a world perspective, um, 117.3 million bales, um, you know, versus 106.5 million bales a year ago. So we're up 10.8 million bales. The U.S. accounts for 3. Point, almost 3.4 million of that. India, uh, 2 million. They raised it from 27 to 29 million. Uh, China, versus a year ago, we're up 1.75 million. Pakistan is up 1.5 million bales from last year, and Australia up 600,000. Um, there's some other changes in there, but those were the, the big numbers. The um, world yields are expected to be 702 pounds uh, versus 705 pounds last year, and this compares to a record of 718 pounds in 2013. Um, they're not expecting India to have uh, anywhere near record yields, but so if you took world and you subtracted India out of all this, uh, the yield number is, is uh, 839 pounds for the world less India yields. That's up uh, at the new. That would be a new record, and uh, that would be up 20 pounds over a year ago. So I guess a lot of good things are happening all over the world. To expect, uh, you know, record yields. Of course, most of that is, you know, would have to be due to uh, contributions from from both China and the United States would would heavily weight those. Um, the um, uh, consumption, you know, they did raise consumption. I think they raised consumption just. Uh, uh, well, they're expecting a larger uh, consumption number in China. But, uh, you know, 117.4 million bales in world consumption. So we still have a world production consumption deficit. It's only 100,000 bales, but it is a deficit. Uh, so not going to complain about that. The, um, you know, from, from this point forward, it's, it, you know, we're just going to have to see how this crop, uh, uh, feathers out uh, with respect to the uh, uh, the estimates by by USDA, and I'm sure they they saw things out there that uh, uh, you know most people who don't go out in the field in terms of count bowls and look at bowl sizes and look at weather patterns and stuff don't see. But uh, um, you know they uh, those objective yield people are, are usually pretty darn good. Um, and remember, you know, they are measuring potential yield uh, and uh, given normal weather circumstances from here on out. So uh, a lot of, lot, of, lot of time still left to either improve or worsen this, to this crop potential out there. And I would tend to think, uh, my bias anyway, is that I, I think they've, 
they've gone out there and given this crop the, the best possible chance to, to make a, a ye, uh, yield and production. And, and I, I do think that this will be the largest crop estimate that we see all year from the United States. Pat, that would be my uh, my commentary. If uh, anybody's got any questions, I'd be happy to try to answer them. All right. Well, it's just kind of opening up to everybody. Any other comments about this report? Uh, well, first, I think I was the most surprised since I had the lowest uh, the forecast of production out there. But uh, I was just going to emphasize some things that, uh, that Gerald's really already touched on, and that's that uh, you know when they, particularly in West Texas, it's always the case that when they come out in August and they count and measure squares and young small bowls on small plants that the West Texas crop across the belt is usually the youngest crop that they're looking at. And so that opens the door for them to come back in September and see something a little bit different. So that's one source of uncertainty that's always there. And I would say this year it's probably a little worse because this crop in West Texas is a little bit later, a little bit younger. So, again, it kind of opens the door for change, the possibility of change. And the other thing I'll just point out, I, I went back and looked, um, the, the the historical change going back 10 or 15 years between what they measure by whatever you know reliable method they use in August, that production number until the final production number months, 12 months later, whatever it is, Historically, that number varies 8%, either higher or lower. It varies 8%, which in this case would be like, if I did my math right, 1.8 million bales. There's there's that much historical variation in this in this production forecast. So, you know, it's it's, it's not over, and uh, there's there's always some change, and there's always some tinkering. And Gerald may well be right that uh, that this is a a high number because a lot of things have to happen. Um, you know, maybe a little more moisture before this month is over and then nice, dry, sunny weather and no early freeze. I mean, that's because this crop is late, the risk of an early freeze is, is a really serious risk in, uh, in determining the outcome. Kip? Well, I mean, I, I, I think Gerald did a great job of covering this. Um, I think the bottom line is that the U.S. has a – a much larger crop. Uh, USDA presented us with a much larger crop than most of us expected. I agree there is a lot of growing season left here. Um, and I I feel like this is a full number. I think USDA gave the benefit of the doubt uh, to the plant at this point, and there's lots of questions uh, regarding that. Uh, John was accurate, I think, in pointing out the the timing of the crop in West Texas can be terribly important. Uh, so, you know, it just comes down, we started off with a pretty big number here, and we're just going to have to watch the weather in the growing season. It's This is certainly not in the basket yet. It's going to take a <laughs> it's going to take a whole lot of good things to get this number uh, at 20 and a half, I think. But it, it, lots of things can happen. It can get larger, it can get smaller. And yesterday, a fellow said, "Well, you know, you got to be careful about this, Kip, because big crops get bigger." And I said, "Well, you know, this thing hasn't even started. Yet. It isn't big yet. It's just it's starting off at a big number." So, I think we have to be a little concerned that, uh, at least at this point, this number seems full to me. Oh wait, as always, joined us. I did yeah. join you, and I apologize. I thought uh, I thought Gerald did, did an outstanding job. I'm just sorry I didn't hear any of it. 
<laughs> That's the nicest compliment you've ever given me, O.A. Yeah, you're welcome. I think, I, you know, from what I've heard, y'all, you guys say you covered it extremely well. This uh, uh, The big crops get bigger. I've all said that a million times. I've had a few people bring empirical evidence to me, and it shows that's not the case, but I'm not going to debate it. I, I would say it's, it's just like Kip said, uh, not any bagging and ties around it at all, and the odds are if we believe anything about the long-range weather forecasters that this crop does get smaller. John indicated 1.8 million bales statistical variance, so you know we can still get down to 18.6 uh, million bales, 18.7 uh the crop is so late, we have to be so concerned. And if we look around the globe last year and this year, and we see so many weather anomalies, anomalies that uh, I think intuitively we have to expect that. But uh, USDA found that crop out there on August 1st, so it's there. Uh, it was there August 1st, so something will have to happen to knock it off. Uh, you can't go against that number. All right, well. I think there are a lot of farmers listening in wanting to know uh, what they should do. Uh, any any advice to them as far as pricing any cotton on rallies? How high can it go? Any any thoughts on that? The um, I, I think for the time being, until or unless we get a crop estimate that comes out l- lower, at least somewhere back in, in the realm of, of what we're thinking, um, this mark is going to have a tough time climbing, getting back over, I think, getting back over 70 cents in a, in a meaningful fashion. Um, the um, There's just a lot of, there's just a big weight on, on top of this market. Uh, you know, one thing that I didn't really mention and, and, I, and I, I, I intended to was that, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we spent a lot of time talking about there's not enough quality cotton out there. The machine-harvested crops around the world are, are uh, you know, v- very small. And that was true. In 2015, you had a 22.9 million bales from machine-cropped harvests around the world. Uh, this year, you've got 33.5 million bales. So you're up 11 million bales in just two years from a from a quote-unquote a quality standpoint, what people consider quality from a machine-picked harvest uh, standpoint. Secondly, um, you know, exportable supplies from our major competitors, and uh, I, I toss Australia, Brazil, Central Asia, India, uh, Pakistan, Syria, Greece, and West Africa into this basket of what I call major U.S. competitors, and exportable supplies, um, if, if all these estimates come to pass, are 44 million bales uh, versus 38.9 million last year, 38.7 million bales two years ago. So the exportable supply potential, again, potential, um, you know, with the exception of Australia and, and Brazil, I mean, you're, you're talking uh, – it's basically northern hemisphere type stuff. I guess you could argue a little bit with the uh, the West Africans, but uh, um, you know you've got you, you've got a lot of uh, potential exportable supplies out there, and uh, everybody's going to want to get their piece of the of the pie. 
And, uh, you know, USDA is estimating that pie at uh, 37.4 million bales in terms of, of world exports or world imports. And, uh, you know, they're giving us a pretty fair shot at around 38, 39%. And so uh, it's hard to see the 14.2 million bale export estimate getting a lot larger from this point forward unless there are some major problems in some of these other exporting countries. So the upside, I think, is going to be tempered. Um, you know, not saying we can't get back through 70 cents, but uh, we're going to have to see a, a, another crop estimate. The downside, you know, I'm, I'm very pleasantly surprised that this market is, is uh, somewhat uh, is holding up right in here. Um, you know, it did take a while to get down limit yesterday. It didn't really stick for very long. Bounced a couple of times off limit, and even though uh, even though we settled it limit down, um, you know, in the last five minutes or, of trading, we, you know, we actually bounced back up to that 68 to 40, 45 area, I think. Um, so it's it's really fairly impressive when when you think about the support and the the, the negative new numbers that came out yesterday how uh, how how this market held up but um um it wouldn't surprise me that we're going to test um that recent low of i think it was 6615 and uh, you got a few technicians out there calling for this thing to run down to at least on measured moves 65 to 65.50. So, um, you know, I, I guess until further notice, um, you know, call me a 65 to, to really probably 69, 69.50 area type person. So, um, I don't, you know, if you if you're not comfortable selling your crop right here. Um, you know, there's there are puts out there, and the histor- the volat- implied volatilities um, are still relatively cheap from a historical standpoint. Uh, you can still buy December put options for, you know, under 20 percent, uh, and uh, uh, so you just want to buy some protection and see what this market's going to do. That's that's probably the best thing to do for for the time being. That would be okay. my right. commentary, Pat. Okay, great. Oh, wait, what what are your thoughts on prices? Well, it's it's hard not to disagree with that. It's going to be awful difficult to get back above seventy cents with this kind of crop out there. Come the September report, and we've got twenty. It says twenty million bales, half million below today. Uh, it's still uh, seventy cents is going to be awfully tough. We're going to have to get to some realization that this crop going at least have a nineteen in front of it, uh, and then we could possibly do that, but. Uh, and uh, with this kind of crop out there, uh, it's, it's just not going to happen, in my opinion. I don't see us now going below that 65. Yes, uh, I tweeted out yesterday we could see a 61, 62, and we easily can. But it's going to be awful tough to take it below 65 until we probably would get into uh, past the September report and get some idea as to what the October report, i.e. weather situation, might look like. So uh, 65 cents from now, I think we're back into this range that we've had since June. Uh, it's 65 to 70 cents right in that area. Uh, John, from a technical mill standpoint, I would just, I would, and I know that we don't have a lot of mills listing, but it's, it's, a, it's, an idea of, it's an idea of my opinion about the market. If I were a mill, I would, be, I would want to take some uh, price fixations down here at 68 cents. 
John, what are your thoughts on Price? I, I'm agreeing with what I've heard. Um, Always alluding to the weather premium that I think will last, you know, to kind of buoy prices on the downside. So, yeah, I agree that we'd be in the mid to, you know, up to from where we are down to 65 something until um, until we get later and much later into the fall. Now, when when that when the weather premium when the uncertainty fades, then um, then we better be having um, you know strong strong buy-in on the demand side, or I think we could, I think we could, at that point, get lower into the lower 60s and go under 60, but that's not, that's not until months and months from now. All right, Kip, you've probably been the most bearish. What, what are you thinking now? Well, in the near term, I have absolutely, because, primarily because of the way the market traded yesterday, I think John made an excellent point. <clears throat> Ordinarily, or typically when we get a situation where we get that big a surprise, the market typically just falls straight down, you lock limit, and everybody it's, it's whining and gnashing of teeth. However, it was almost like folks didn't really believe the number. It, it wasn't that they found it not credible. It was just such a surprise. And then, well, I don't really, today, I don't believe that. So the way the market traded tells me there's much better support under this market than I thought we would have gotten with this kind of surprise. So I, I do think that market is going to hold here uh, for a while, particularly in the short term. It all depends on what kind of crop we get and whether this is realized. If we have a 20 and a half or, or somewhat larger, I think prices are going to go down longer term, uh, well into the low six. And I, I still think we'll probably, if, if the numbers we're looking at internally are realized, we're going to see prices with a five in front of them. Uh, and the other thing that bothers me a little bit about this in the short term is the demand side. We've got a nice large number in here for uh, for cotton mill use worldwide, and part of that is in a scenario where the International Monetary Fund just reduced their estimate for world growth. We're seeing other institutions sort of see not not a bad scenario, but just not a robust international growth, uh, global growth. So we need that really to uh, to get this mill consumption up. Otherwise, we're going to be in a scenario where we have to take share from synthetic fibers. That's been difficult in the past. So I have a bit of reservation about the number at 117.4. I think maybe that's a little bit full, just like I think the U.S. crop number on August 1st is a little full. So I'm I'm a little bit, I think I'm probably quite a bit more bearish than my colleagues here. But in the near term, I just don't know why this market needs to go down. We continue to see good, strong demand in the international markets uh, for U.S. cotton. So, no, in the short term, I think we're going to hold around this 63, 65 level pretty easily. And uh, But I don't think, given the numbers we're looking at, we're going to see 70 cents anytime soon without some factor to actually take us there. All right. Any other comments? Okay. Wow, this is kind of unusual. Yeah. Well, I guess, <laughs> you know, one thing I wanted to uh, mention are just the ending stock numbers. And, uh, uh, OA, I know that we've, and Kip and John, we've had this discussion about, um, I'm somewhat surprised that they continue 
I, I don't know who the attaches talk to, um, and sometimes in these countries, um, you know, I, I understand in India, for example, you know, I believe that the uh, the, the ending stock numbers, and I don't care how you adjust for for uh, uh, for their crop statistical crop year versus ours, but. Uh, um, the, you know, I think the stock numbers in India are at least 5 million bales too high. Uh, the Chinese stock numbers, um, every, there's a lot of opinions out there on the Chinese stock numbers. Uh, but, uh, um, I, and I've argued for the last three or four years that, they've, that they are anywhere from, you know, 8 to, to 10 million bales too high in China. Um, and uh, th that all goes back to... I'm trying to remember what year it was when uh, USDA made all these adjustments to the unaccounted for uh, category in China and raised ending stocks by about 10 million bales because uh, they just felt like something was, was off over there. Um, and so I think those, those bales are, are just are phantom bales in China. Um, you, you go back to 2000, the, the fall of 2010, when China was buying cotton like there was not a single bale of cotton in China, they were buying from, from any place they could get their hands on cotton. And, and if that's the case, there probably wasn't a single bale available in China. So, you know, I, uh, uh, they had such a voracious appetite for, for cotton that year. So I, I'm, I still don't understand, you know, USDA's reluctance to, to make some adjustments to these uh, to these stock numbers. Um, so I, I think uh, so. Even though we come out with 90 million bales, you know, I really I really believe that the world ending stock numbers are probably somewhere closer to uh, at least 80 million, if not to 75 million bales. Um, and and you know, we could you know at some point in time see you know, USDA wake up and, and make some adjustments to all that. So that would be, uh, that'd be, that, that would be one interesting crop report that, or, uh, uh, USDA supply demand estimate. That's for sure. Joe, so I think topic. you're right. We all sit back and wait to just to, is this going to be the month? Is this going to be the month? But they really dug their heels in, it seems like, and, and accepting and believing their, their, their methodology. And I, you know, that's their methodology. I, commend them for sticking to it, but yeah, I don't think you have to look any further than just the last two years of export numbers out of the United States just to see that really how abysmal the, the, that those particular models are that they use. They uh, they tend to just have these huge increases at the end of the year after everyone has already said, well, this is what exports are, and then they're the last ones to catch up. But uh, that's their methodology. They're sticking with it, and it, it just as they're tending to keep a hat on prices right now, once they make those adjustments, we could see some limit-up moves if, uh, if they ever do that. Thank you, Kip. I may have interrupted you, and I apologize. No, that's fine. I, I do want to uh, make a comment on the Indian stock, and I think Gerald made an excellent point about uh, China's behavior when they just came out and bought cotton like crazy. It was clear in some of these countries where we really do have a problem trying to figure out what their stock levels are, and there are many of them, by the way, but uh, India and China take on significant uh, added importance because they're so large and big players. But if the Indian stocks were at 
lower levels that a lot of people are talking about. Why aren't we seeing their import demand? Now, it's good. It's strong. But why aren't we seeing it, in relative terms, much stronger to reflect the fact that, oh, the stocks aren't here? And maybe the stocks are out of place, in the right place. I mean, there's lots of reasons that could happen. But oftentimes the way I view a country of, oh, I don't know the stocks, but what's their behavior? And that gives me a better clue. And with although India buying has been much better than it's been in the past, particularly from the U.S., uh, I just wonder if the stock level, if we're not trying to, as an industry, jawbone the stock levels down lower than they need to be because their behavior is not reflecting abnormally low or really, really low stocks. I'm not, that's not an excuse. It's just, in my mind, I'm wondering, I would feel a whole lot more comfortable in trying to twist USDA's arm if you, uh, exports were double what they are, um, imports rather, uh, double what they are, and their exports, instead of being something over 4 million, fall to one or two to say, look, we really don't have the cotton. So, I mean, that's just another way to look at it. Um, I'm going to see the behavior can, but change. I mean, but but mm-hmm. their internal prices right now are, are pretty high. And the you know India is one of these countries. I think they're I think a they plant virtually every day of the year and they harvest virtually every day of the year. So <laughs> I. <laughs> I, 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 I I'm not going to argue. It's, just, it's difficult to plant uh, to count that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, there's probably just enough cotton there to keep things from getting crazy, and that's yeah, why man. I think. And, and so I, I don't know that they're ever going to go nuts over there in India. But uh, I mean, you, you make a pretty good point about the imports, but their imports were were certainly stronger this year than uh, than they have been. Oh, unquestionably, um, and, I, and I, I, I concede that. I just, it, it's the fervor that I hear sometimes about. Oh, they're way, way overestimated. That makes me wonder. Yeah, they probably are, but are they that much? That's that's sort of all I'm getting. If, if I don't think USJ or anyone else has said we know this number is right out spot on. You know, we're we're hitting a moving target a lot. To your point, particularly in India, if you're planting and harvesting every month, you, let's let's try to count these guys. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Carol, and, and, and Kip, both of y'all, y'all's point is very well taken, and I think uh, certainly y'all understand it to the nth degree. A lot of folks don't, that India, uh, maybe not planting and harvesting every day, they're certainly planting and harvesting every month. So there's always a, a crop coming in out there. The thing that bothers me and Gerald alluded to as well is that if there's all this crop over there and prices, internal prices are what they are, why aren't they bringing that crop out and selling it? They would have never made so much money in all their lives. So if they're not selling into the into the market where they can make this kind of a profit, what's where where is the cost? But anyway, that's USDA's methodology, and mm-hmm. uh, they defend it, and uh, the market uh, will you know has to live with it. Well, way I, I think your other your other point was uh, was maybe the more valuable one there in terms of what the market effect would be if USDA was to surprise us and do a little revisionist history. Because my recollection, the last time they did that was maybe. July of 2016, which and it was unexpected. It was either then or a little bit earlier in 2016. Unexpected to me, but they stepped in and did a little revisionist history in their consumption stuff, and that started that rally in the midsummer of 2016. So we were all throwing cold, wet blankets on the possibility of prices getting back to 70. But I mean, something like that could happen unexpectedly and fuel a little upward volatility. Right. 
Right. It's possible. All right. Well, we can we can wrap this thing up then. Uh, our thanks to our sponsor, Bayer, for uh, making this program possible. Our thanks to all our speakers and to Gerald for leading us. Uh, that concludes this edition of the Ag Market Network. Thanks to everybody. Thanks, Gerald. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, guys. On the idea Thank that we're guys. still alone, uh, we, we we do appreciate USDA. We probably all, but we they're the best thing going. <laughs> we do. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs>